The Pulse of the Hawkesbury. Pulse 89.9. We're back at Pulse FM, of course, the heartbeat in the Hawkesbury. You're on In Topic with Catherine Jean and Linda Fennick. And uh, last week we were talking about the dam, as it seems to be the subject at the moment. And I had a phone call come in. I didn't grab it in time, but I rang back and I got Arnold. How are you, Arnold, this morning? You're online with us. Yes, thank you, Kat. Yeah, uh, yeah, thank you, Catherine and Linda. Um, good morning. How are you both? We're I've good. Just got a helicopter going straight past at the moment. Well, you see, you'll finish with the helicopter, and we'll have the um, raft fly out over us, so we'll both be in the same position. <laughs> Yeah, very good. Uh, look, last week when you called in, I actually finally got to speak to you after the program. It was quite interesting what you were having to say. And, of course, you have an opinion about the uh, dam and the raising of the wall and you are a, a, a community member. So, I mean, it's interesting to hear from you. And I really first want to start by saying I appreciate that you took the time to ring in. And, um, you know, thank you for spending your time this morning chatting with Linda and I about this as well. We also, just before yeah, well, we get into it, sorry, Arnold, anyone who wants right. to talk like Arnold is today, the phone number is 0434 uh, You can text us and uh, we will bring you back, okay? Sorry, go for it, Arnold. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for the invitation. So look... Um, as it stands, I, th- I think the talk now is the 16-metre extension on the dam to um, allow for flood mitigation, so mm. sort of protecting the communities, etc. Mm. Now, I actually think it's the inverse, and I think the reality is Warragamba Dam is just not big enough for the Sydney Basin. Mm. Um, so if we do if we look at a little bit of history... That was conceived just after the Second World War. Um, uh, Australia was in a serious financial situation um, and Sydney had huge water supply issue. So the smart people at the time that designed the dam uh, commenced building 4950 and was completed in 1961. Now, from all my understanding, at that stage, that dam was only ever designed to cover Sydney to the year 2000 yep. and probably a little over 2 million people. Mm. So obviously we started to go into a situation where the dam in the early 2000s was dropping terribly low mm-hmm. and uh, hence we had the desalination plant. Now, in the late 70s, early 80s, the Welcome Reef Dam on the Shoalhaven River was, was uh, promoted as being the second dam for Sydney. Now, for whatever reason, this dam did not get up, um, and it seems to be a hot potato that's been buried by both uh, sides of government. So um, what we need to do is generate more catchment and more dam um, reservoirs uh, so that Sydney can survive. And the reality is um, raising the dam will not really help us because it is having to run at 100%. And what we need to do is get that into a sweet spot at about 25 to 75% supplemented by another dam. 
Do you know, Arnold, I speak to, well, I have the last couple of uh, times spoken to um, Tim Webster on the weekly wrap here on Pulse FM, standing in for Richard Griffiths. And the subject, of course, of this Warragam Dam comes up on both times we've spoken. And Tim Webster said that he would like to see another drinking, another dam somewhere and looking after the water and the drinking water problem that will face or could face all of us here and um, seeing they're not really looking at the desal plant that we spend a lot of money on but to actually create another dam. Now, you know, you've got some knowledge about a dam that was in the thinking cap at one stage and then went to sleep, didn't it? Yeah, well, Welcome Reef Dam, as I say, <coughs> was proposed or designed on the Shoalhaven River, um, just northeast of Braidwood. Um, it's a bigger dam, probably about 20% bigger than Warragamba. Um, and that was that was knocked on the head by the, we'll call, say, the Car Labor government in about 2002. Um, for whatever reason, um, the land acquisition had occurred. Everything was ready to, to, to go. As I said, tunnels, underground infrastructure had been built. Wow. Um, and it was just put to bed. Now, I don't know whether it's cost-related. I don't know whether there was um, you know, other environmental issues. I'm not quite sure what the situation was. But I think the reality is Warragamba Dam is maxed out. It's 80% of Sydney's water supply. And if something happened to that dam tomorrow, we've got no contingency. There is no backup. Whether, whether there's contamination, whether there's a sudden leak in the dam, Whatever that may be, there is no backup. We're under the desal plant, and unfortunately, the desal plant very expensive and going to produce, I believe, only a small fraction of what Sydney requires. So they'll be on severe water restrictions. With the amount of rainfall that we have, we obviously don't catch enough of it. How do they do it in the UK? I know that their water levels are so much lower. What is the? Do you know anything along those lines? Well, they get. I, I, I'm no expert on it, but they don't get periods of drought like we do. Yep. So, you know, Australia is notorious for droughts. It's, it's the driest continent in the world. So, you know, rest assured. Well, we're talking about floods at the moment, and they're devastating. There's no doubt. I mean, when you're getting 14 metres through Windsor. Um, they're devastating floods. Yes, it's our weather pattern is definitely bipolar. We either have one extreme to the next, don't we? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a um, there's a poem about that droughts and flooding rain. So yes. it's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I keep saying, the dam has to be kept at 100. percent They're nervous to release water because if they do get the forecasting wrong they end up with a deficit of supply and then it puts it, uh, you know, puts the whole of Sydney at risk. If you have a strategy where you've got a, a second dam, mitigation, you can fill that dam. There's, there's other advantages too because you've not only got over double the usable storage, you've got double the catchment. Mm-hmm. So if it fails to rain in the... Goulburn region, which is the upper reaches of the Warragamba, um, but it does rain down the south coast, you've still got catchment and you can transfer that water. Um, look at the Snowy River scheme. 
you know, that, that's been, you know, over the years, people have said that that's not so good, but they're just doing an upgrade at the moment. And those dams are linked. They're at different levels. They have uh, hydroelectric. They can pump back to different reservoirs free of charge, except for the wear and tear on the on the generation equipment and the pumping stations, um, we, we, which is what Warragamba had. It had a 50-megawatt hydropower station. Well, I agree with which both. Which was decommissioned yes. in 2001. I agree with both what you have said and what Mark has said. I think we need a multifaceted approach. I do think that we probably do need a second dam, like you've stated, as well as other options available like buy back some of the most vulnerable people of the community and offer it to them as well. There's just not just one small solution, and we've got to act quite soon in that sense. Well, well the buyback has merit. Yep. But, you know, people are living only literally two, three, four metres from the water level. They understand what goes on. Yep. And they pull their pumps out. They move their cattle. They move their livestock. They understand it. Mm-hmm. But when you start getting McGrath's Hill inundated, and um, other areas of, uh, you know, relatively high areas in Windsor. Remembering, I think it was in the 1860s, 1861 or 1863, there was a 24-metre flood. Yep. Now, you could row a boat from Windsor to Parramatta. So just imagine that. And St Mary's is below sea level. Mm. So, you know, you've still got the potential that you could have a massive flood. Mm. And then you've got the greater part of Sydney affected. And then we look at Lismore, Maitland, Brisbane CBD. They've all flooded recently. Mm-hmm. Do we buy back Brisbane CBD? I think not. I just think the, the most vulnerable, I'm not saying the whole, and obviously a lot of people want to be living close to their workplaces. I, I've lived in the Hawkesbury my whole life and I understand this. I understand flooding and how it affects us and you build your homes appropriately, hopefully, as much as you can. But a lot of these people who moved in afterwards weren't aware of how bad it actually gets. And I think that's the sense of um, vulnerability that they had. They weren't really aware of how bad it actually does get. Also true because we've had so many years of uh, drought, Mm -hmm. whereas traditionally you would get two floods a year generally. Oh, I remember being... Sorry. I remember growing up in, I grew up in Londonderry and we used to get in canoes and boats and go down Bennett Road and we used to canoe up most of our friends' houses that lived kilometres away. It was a fun thing that we used to do as kids. I used to love it. (laughs) I was just going to say it was a fun thing. But, you know, the reality is it is devastating Mm -hmm. and we are potentially seeing bigger floods. And with the the dam at 100%, um, we have no... Uh, we have we have no margin for error, and that's a problem. So once they open the gates, we're looking at you know two two to five hundred megalitres released, five hundred megalitres in which which was the last release I understand into the um, into the Hawkesbury um, and bingo within sort of twenty four hours thirty six hours you've got fifty to seventy thousand residents. Struggling with um, either water ingress or unable to get out or, or all sorts of things. And yeah. this last flood, initially they said 
minor to moderate. Mm-hmm. Then it was moderate to major. Then it was, um, and and Windsor was sitting at about 1.4. About 2 a.m. Sunday, the, the dam was released, 500 gigalitres, and um, the river went up about 900 millimetres now mm-hmm. and peaked at uh, something like 14-odd metres. 13.83, I think it was. Was it? 13.8. Mm. Yep. See, my yeah. point here has been, and um, I understand that from what Mark said, that it's this uh, legislation around the Warragamba Dam, but if we didn't have that much water per day pouring onto a flooded area already, then we would have to have levels that were lower, so therefore it would cost less in all the recovery work we do and less people would be damaged. Now, that to me is just a logical mathematical line and I wasn't good at maths but I can tell you that to me is just pretty logical. Now if um, there is a problem with the legislation and someone putting their hand up and being accountable, well wow, isn't that a shame? What, government accountability? Why would we have that, you know? But the thing is, if they did do that and it did get too low, we do have that desal plant. So, you know, when we talk about the levels and what could be and what's going to be, and even now they start telling us we're going to have another flood this year, which I really wish didn't need to come out now to the flood-stricken Hawkesbury. They didn't need to hear that because, as with Chinese whispers, it gets to parts that could be over-exaggerated or not or whatever. But the thing is, if the government knows this is going to happen, what are we going to do about Warragam down this time? We're going to let it get full up and then we're going to let dump it all on us again? Like, therefore, aren't they the ones that should be accountable for this flooding? Look, you're 100%, Catherine. Nobody will take ownership. Um, they're happy to be paid the big bucks. I think they also um, use the, the excuse of hysteria being c- 